You're listening to oneofus.net. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. When I first heard about this show being made, that Nathan Fielder and the Safties are making a show for Showtime, I heard that it was going to be a horror TV series, at least initially. And then Emma Stone got involved and it had just uh, vague like plot lines that uh, Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone are playing husband and wife that are uh, doing like a, you know, renovating house TV show and like their host for a show, but it's still horror. I was like, what? And as you see the curse, you get glimpses of horror, but I think it's like this sub sub genre of social horror than anything else. And having the Nathan Fielder and the Safties with their powers combined, they will create anxiety that you've never felt in your entire life. And I absolutely loved it because I'm here for this stuff. I love the Safety Brothers. I love Nathan Fielder. The rehearsals, one of the best TV shows I've seen in a decade and uh and i also love nathan for you i just unabashedly love him and i think he is almost like our generation's uh, uh andy kaufman in a lot of ways and uh anyway i we're going to talk about the curse today i have my cherry tomato boys with me uh i have uh ryan hey 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 and i have bradley already loves that <laughs> bradley <laughs> hello <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so uh nathan fielder plays uh, asher siegel and emma stone uh plays his wife uh whitney siegel and um they are the stars of the uh oh, what's the the philanthropy or flip flip philanthropist yeah oh man uh, <laughs> what's it it's always sunny he's like i'm a full-on rapist he's <laughs> like excuse me <laughs> um but uh <laughs> But uh, they're they're the hosts of this reality show that are flipping houses in Española, New Mexico, at, or Arizona. Ooh, shit, uh, I forget exactly where. But um, they are the. It's about the making of this show uh, with Nathan Fielder, Asher's uh, childhood friend, uh, Dougie, played by Benny Safdie, who is the most <laughs> douchiest douche douche uh, of a of a guy with like long gross curly hair sorry for people who have very long curly hair uh but um wears like rings all over his fingers but he has his own baggage and background as well where he has done a lot of uh directing for reality shows uh but you start to learn a little bit more about him uh from his past but uh they're the three of them uh, together are trying to make this show work and uh, you start to see glimpses of uh, Nathan and uh, Emma's relationship as a newlywed couple and uh, just some uh, slight disagreements. There's a lot of like micro uh, 
passive aggressions in the mm-hmm. entire show, which is what Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie are just completely known for. And also, if you have not like watched any of their stuff before, this is like next level cringe. Like David Brent, and Michael Scott, get the fuck out of here! Like you guys have no idea. You you can't compare to some of the things where this show goes, especially in just the first episode. Uh, and I'd love to hear what you guys thought about this. Uh, so Ryan, why don't you take it away? Cause, uh, we were on a Slack channel talking about this periodically and just, I'm pretty sure eyebrows were, uh, up a lot of times and definitely by the last episode, which we won't go into spoilers. Uh, but it's one of the most wild endings I've seen ever, but Ryan, what'd you yeah. think? No, I, I think I was in a completely similar boat to you, not to like reiterate everything you said, but I, I'm a big Safie Brothers fan and a big Nathan Fielder fan separately. And just hearing that they were going to come together, I was really excited to see what it was going to be. And I wasn't really sure what to expect from it. Right. Um, just just what that pairing would be and if any one of them would kind of overpower the other. But this this just feels after watching this, I feel like, oh, of course, this is what this would be. Yeah. And it, it is it's it's so uncomfortable and just the the way that they depicted like just a crumbling sort of miserable relationship i feel like they just they nail it in the most uncomfortable way possible i feel like emma stone and nathan and emma stone is incredible in this but in in it's she's just so like just effortlessly amazing like like last year i mean with both this and poor things like mm-hmm. i feel like she came out like riding so high because i just just watching her in this and poor but in both poor things was just incredible but i i feel like nathan is very very good in this too and that's mm-hmm. something that i i wasn't sure like how are you going to be able, how is nathan feel they're going to be able to stand like toe to toe with emma stone and a lot totally. of these very dramatic scenes and i yeah. think he really pulls it off and i think that it's just I, I feel like this they really play to Nathan's strengths in the best way possible. Like I don't know how many how versatile he's going to be, like as an actor, but I, I feel like he's just so perfect in this role and it feels like I just I really appreciate that I think both of them really understand their own work and mm-hmm. what makes it uh what makes it so effective. And I think that they just they they pour it's like they poured the best possible elements of both of their work into like a pod and stirred it together and you just get something that's so just chaotic and insane and there's a reason why the you know the user scores on Rotten Tomatoes are so low for this because this is a very miserable uncomfortable watch but it's if that's the kind of thing that you might enjoy like if you're really into like the vibe of like uncut gems and also just the uncomfortable vibe of like the rehearsal i think this is something that you're going to be really into and again that just that relationship dynamic and the way that it evolved throughout this series is something that i i think i really enjoyed about this and just seeing like like you said right seeing those like little microaggressions kind of expand and in turn and get worse and worse and also seeing benny safty's character uh dougie sort of start to like pick as as like and a manipulate sleazy, yeah like as a sleazy reality show producer seeing him kind of start picking at that scab and like exposing it more and more as the series goes along i, I just i thought that that dynamic was was really work for me when you're saying like uh using nathan fielder's like best like skill sets as an actor because yeah i don't know how you know great he would be in other work uh but i i was just thinking about when lynn Manuel miranda wrote music for the rock of moana and it's just like oh let me listen to him on wrestling and get the key and notes that he can do and like do that and it was perfect like yeah. you're welcome is a fantastic song 
And so like the safeties and midfielder knew where his strengths were and utilize it to like the, the craziest degree. Like there's a incredible monologue towards the end of the, this, uh, the season or the series and uh, that he has with Emma and, or, or with his wife. And you're just like, oh my God, that is like one of the most profound and devastating monologues yeah. ever witnessed. But Bradley, what, would you, what did you think about the curse? Well, I was raised by my mama to be a very, <laughs> to be a very polite, respectable, understanding and compassionate person. So the cringe and the uh, emotional manipulation in this, it, it knotted up my tummy. It hurt my heart. I don't know what to do with half of the dialogues in this. The and I enjoyed it by the way before I sound too negative. But like <laughs> this is like a situation where you're trapped in an elevator with someone and he turns to you and says, "Can I have a napkin?" And you're like, uh, "No, I don't have a napkin." And then like 90 second later later he says, "Are you lying to me right now?" Like, "Oh my god, get me out of this elevator." <laughs> And then he, He's trapped in that elevator. he, to spite you for feeling like you're lying to him, starts sneezing aggressively into his hand. None of that happens in this show. Uh, the idea of experiencing that, though, is what a lot of the exchanges in this show made me feel. I thought Nathan Fielder was like peak, top shelf, God level tier, as the kids would say, at the awkward cringe situation. I am mm-hmm. shocked that Emma Stone has brought new layers to it with her performance. And I was not expecting her to excel at that. I know that she's an incredible comedian from her early work. I enjoyed Easy A very much. That was one of our favorite films that introduced us to Emma Stone. And of course, they're super bad. To have her Mm -hmm. play like this, I am here and blessed for the opportunity to save these poor, disenfranchised, marginalized groups of people that have been taken advantage of. I'm like, oh, the cringe. I, I can't. And she doubles down on it and she goes deeper into that type of thinking more and more and more. And I'm like choking, like, oh, no, stop. The human beings aren't, they don't need a white savior, please. It's the systems that are broken. Stop. And any time that she was called on her bullshit and refused to smell it, that's when Man. I was just overwhelmed by like I don't know if I could finish this episode. This is, this <laughs> but I did, and uh, I'm in a, a very like like I usually am two minds on this show because I hated watching it, but I kind of wanted more after it was over. You're it's it feels like uh, uh what is it when you're uh, kidnapped and uh, you start to form a relationship oh, with Stockholm your kidnapper. Syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it it yeah. kind of felt like that after a while. Like after it ended, like God, I want to watch it again. I want to be there again in that world because it was so, it was so fascinating to see these characters just well one crumble, but not admit the situation. And uh, time and time and again, like Whitney uh, Emma Stone's character is a prime example of that. And then Nathan, God, just like I've never seen anyone to try to take a step forward and just be like pushing himself backwards. Uh, where just some of the the conversations and situations that he finds himself in, you, I, you're just your assholes puckered up, and you're just on pins and needles. Like God, what? Because <laughs> you also the lay out the plot of the show, other than them just trying to create this uh, this TV series, is that at one point uh, they're they're taking a break uh, from filming, 
and uh, Dougie is like, hey, let's uh, get some B-roll here and there. And uh, and they see this little girl and her sister selling like just soda in the middle of like a, a grocery store uh, parking lot. And uh, their father, uh, played by uh, Bakhad uh, Abdi, who plays Abshir, uh, he's like in the background. He, he's no- notably from Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. And um, they're selling the soda and they say, hey, uh, Asher, go up to that girl and buy some soda from her. And as he's about to walk up, he notices in his wallet. And this is where he gets like little Larry Davidy here and there. And uh, <laughs> but he notices in his wallet that uh, he only has a hundred dollar bill. And like there's a, a, a little plot line like they're kind of strapped for cash here and there, even though they spend it like it's nothing. Uh, but he sees he only has a hundred dollars and he's only going to buy like a six pack of soda. So he goes up, he does this scene with her. Like, here you go. This is just for you. I don't need this soda. This is just me donating this uh, money to you. And then they say cut and, and Dougie for how again, manipulative. And like you said, Ryan, like picking up that scab, he continues to film and Nathan goes right back to the girl. Like, Hey, can I have that back? Actually, I, I can break it for you. I just, I, I want to give you a $20 bill. I just, that's all the money I had was a hundred dollar bill. And she's like, what? No. And her sister's like, no way that's ours. And then he yanks it from her. And again, I know this is very specific, but this is extremely important because this basically like starts the rest of the series where she says, ah, I curse you. And he's like, what? And uh, it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I curse you. It doesn't say anything else. Like, here, let me just get break the money. And then from there on out, and of course, he tries to get the money to her. She's already gone. And then thus starts this all crumbling cycle because he thinks he's cursed. And he maybe, I don't know. Uh, I'd love to, I think it's, it, it, he's obviously not cursed, but there's, well, <clears throat> I don't know. Cause there are moments throughout the show where you go back to the little girl and she like tries to curse other people or it's like a TikTok trend. And there, there's like moments where you're supposed to believe like, is this real? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I love that about the show. I loved the, just the ambiguity of it because when, when the show was coming out and they said that it was a horror show, I thought this was, I, thought, I just thought this was going to be more overt, but I liked that right. it was kind of like a, a backdrop. And again, we won't say whether like how we, how, exactly how we feel about it or spoil anything about it specifically. But mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of the sound design and the music yeah. helps to play into just the horror of this in the, un, like the way that you feel in the show, which is everything just has a very, ominous vibe to it for for a a lack of a better way of explaining it Uh and you do wonder throughout the show are these things that are happening related to the curse are they not but regardless of whether the curse is real or not they are informed the curse in that moment that happens to nathan informs a lot of what nathan does nathan's character uh does and it makes him more paranoid and it makes him uh, you know, more uncomfortable in all of these different situations. And it just, it, it it feels like the curse, a big part of it is just like, they're these outsiders coming into this town who, who maybe have good intentions, maybe, if right. you want to be like generous, but they are ultimately infringing on these people and making things worse. And to me, like that's what the curse feels like if you want to look at it, not in like a literal sense. It's a really great commentary on what a curse actually is. When people say, is it real or is it not? The little child who, because of Asher, Nathan Felder's paranoia about being cursed, kind of gets her to believe in it. And she becomes like afraid of the power she may or may not have. 
And I just think that's right. so beautiful because she doesn't want to hurt or control or manipulate anybody. And the innocence of that is beautiful. And it says a lot about what actually gives a curse power. And Nathan Fielder, uh, Asher, who doesn't believe that anything he's doing is wrong, it's all in service to his goddess, Whitney M. Stone. So everything he's doing must be an absolute good. So something else must be wronging him. And that's just a very good way of... You know, sometimes people call that karma. Sometimes they call that a, yeah. a bit of bad luck. But it's all very brilliantly written. Uh, how this turns out, though, because I'm not, I'm not completely on the, oh, don't you see, guys? It's a commentary on what it is to curse and be cursed, a personality or a character study, if you will. Uh, th- this show gets weirder and weirder. By episode eight, even I was like, okay, is this real? Is is someone actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The just before we talk about towards the end and maybe what this means and going into final thoughts, I just wanted another shout out to one of the most like cringiest scenes. And it's the first episode. Uh, and thank Christ, I guess this was on Showtime because they can do this, I guess. Uh <laughs> But um, Corbin Bernstein uh, plays, or Bernstein, sorry, uh, plays uh, Emma Stone's father, who is this, uh, and his wife, uh, Constance uh, Shulman, who plays Patty Mayonnaise and Doug. Um, they the, they play more or less like slumlords in the community. So that's why another thing that Emma Stone's character has to like, you know, try to make up for in a lot of ways and, and portray that she's not a part of that, even though she might be. Um, but, uh, there is a scene between Corbin, uh, Bernson and Nathan Fielder in, uh, his little greenhouse in their, at their house that is, I like it, it felt like, and it was maybe five minutes long, maybe, uh, but it is the entirety of like the basement scene in glorious bastards where it, that's like a 20 to some 25 minute, uh, like whole sequence. They're just like on pins and needles, like, Oh Jesus Christ, all these Nazis. But like. The this monologue that Corbin Bernstein is giving to Nathan Fielder is one of the most like cringiest and craziest things I've ever witnessed, and and then like just the exclamation point uh, at the end of it is like I can't believe this is happening. I, uh, but yeah, I I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about that particular scene, but or like let's say what is your most favorite cringy scene in this show? That's mine for sure. For me, it's it's kind of hard to say without spoiling anything, but there's something in the the penultimate episode, mm-hmm. like a revelation. And when uh, I guess I can say this, oh. when uh, Asher is first shown a cut of the show that they've oh, been working on, God. and they ended up showing him that something that they didn't intend on showing him initially, and just him sitting through that, and then Dougie trying to relieve. The, and there, there's a lot of something something we haven't touched on. There's a lot of like very funny moments in this show. For as, oh, it's like, hysterical too. It's it's very funny. I, I we haven't really touched on that, but like there's a moment during that scene that's just like insufferable and painful. There's something that Dougie says during that scene that just made me. I still think about it. it just made me laugh like so hard. Like while I'm sitting there like cringing and uncomfortable. Like it it is still very funny as you know as painful as it is but i think that scene and i think if you've if you've watched it you'll know what what scene i'm talking about like him yeah. reacting to the first cut yeah bradley what is yours uh, for me it's when whitney goes to a party and mostly it's with her <sighs> artist friend uh cara durand <laughs> there's always a sigh yeah. like oh fuck yeah <laughs> Zanya austin is the actress and her and whitney are friends i don't even want to put that in quotes i think Whitney is friends with her for as much as Whitney understands how to be a friend. But 
Dakara's like, oh, you know, she's just trying to do a show and maybe it'll help us out and it'll be fine. And all the, uh, or she has this friend who's also a Native American like her, who is just bullshitting Whitney the whole time and everything he says, oh, no yeah. matter how outlandish it is, she's all like so beautiful, so powerful. And it's just, just cringe to watch. Like, gosh, this is so cruel and mean. And she's so up her own ass about her intentions being great. Ugh. And then later, yeah. a guy does the same thing to her, but like in a cruel way. Like he tells her this little white lie and tells her that he lied oh. to her. And she does not admit that she made a fool of herself. She just keeps doubling down on no, 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 you're, you're not you're not lying. And yeah, I, that just wound me up in knots. Like, someone get me out of this room, this fucking elevator, man. <laughs> <laughs> there is finally something that does happen in the last episode that's directed by Nathan Fielder. One, it's incredibly directed. Uh, mm-hmm. There are things that are in this episode that I don't know how they did that, uh, just on a technical level. Uh, but the way that is presented in this particular situation, I don't even want to like say specifically what it is because it would spoil a whole lot. But I'll guess I'll say this is it goes it goes there finally to a place mm-hmm. where you're just like you're not expecting and it feels very out of left field, at least immediately. And then, you know, I think what you were saying, Bradley, I don't know exactly what to take. I don't know. Um, I, I want to, you know necessarily think about like what is the metaphor what is the message and what is it trying to say like this because it feels like this is the, the point where it's just like oh this is you know an, an allegory for something else is like i i still like to take it just at face value of what was actually happening but i'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on it it, it just it really felt like i've never seen a show or a movie take a turn like this does after you know after nine hours of hinting at this thing and then something happens and it really just it feels like a nightmare and you're almost bargaining like no no this isn't this like i don't know how you guys yeah. reacted but i was like this okay this this isn't happening like this yeah. isn't happening and then like 30 <laughs> minutes later you're like oh no this is this is absolutely happening and that just that that part of it and that level of like bargaining there 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 was even like the day after i was like that was that was the finale of the show not yeah. in a bad way like not in a bad way but like i was just still shocked that they went there and I, I, I loved it. I, I mean, I, I really think it worked for me. Oh, yeah. Bradley, what do you, th- what do you think? About you know, it? for me, I always say, give me something weird. Give me something strange. WandaVision, don't explain why there's a beekeeper in the sewer. Keep it weird. <laughs> and then, you know, every once in a blue moon, a show has the courage to actually do that. This started off as a really deep think piece like, oh, yes, the gentrification, like what happened in Oakland. And how people are seen more as monetary gains and commodities. And we use our good intentions to really line our pockets. So brilliant. And then as the show went on, I'm like, this is weird. This is a very strange. And all the (laughs) I'm so smart think piece pretentious Bradley, you know, got took out back and shot in the head. And all that was left was, did you see this weird shit? You got to watch this. And I think that's incredibly impressive and definitely what a lot of people need who just want something totally bizarre and to say, well, that happened because a lot of bizarre stuff happens in our lives that can't be explained. And uh, yeah, uh, kudos to the show for staying true to that ending. I could see so many studio heads being, no, no, that what you want to do? what? But uh, yes, I definitely recommend. Uh, well, let's go into final thoughts. And uh, Ryan, why don't you lead the way? 
Yeah, for I just I just want to say thank you to Showtime for allowing this to happen because <laughs> like the more the further I watched into this show, I was like, this is the network that allowed David Lynch to make the third season of Twin Peaks, sure. and like like by the end, you kind of it makes a lot of sense. And again, I just I really appreciate it. I don't know how well it did for them, but I really hope that they continue to you know support artists who want to make stuff that's like weird and out there because i i just i really think that this was uh one of my favorite things of 2023 like period and it really stuck with me and i just i i'm just very excited to see what both the safety brothers and nathan fielder do in the future separately and i hope that they you know benny safety works with i know it's just this is just one safety i hope that benny safety works with nathan again on something else uh something completely different and it makes me curious to see Nathan do more as an actor too. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I really loved this. I'm gonna steal this. I'm gonna say I, I know that somebody else is probably gonna want to use this rating too. But I'm gonna say ten out of ten cherry tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, Bradley, how about you? So, like I said, uh, I'm of two minds. I do want everybody to watch this. I struggled watching a lot of this because I am so uh, adverse is it, to cringe drama. I'll say. Uh, the rehearsal, very difficult watch for me, and I didn't like it by the end of it. It's like that poor little boy thought you were his dad, asshole. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe it was just that good of a trick that Nathan's once again pulled on the audience. If I didn't know who Emma Stone was uh, until like the later episodes, I'd be thinking, is this real? Is this a real thing? Are we witnessing? <laughs> <laughs> Love the cast. From the youngins to the oldens, it's awesome to see Barkad Abdi as Abshir, you know, play a down on his luck, for lack of a better term. Dad just trying to get through and speak to the man in the way he does. There's a scene with him and a chiropractor, truly haunting. Uh, I didn't pick that because oh, I didn't yeah. want to remember it as total that. cringe, but that, that devastated me to watch. <laughs> At the end of this... It reminds me of an old uh, Bojack Horseman quote. Uh, Flick McVicker says it. I believe he's played by Rami Malek. He writes this show called Filbert for Showtime, and it's a dark protagonist with flaws type of show. And he's like, thank you all so much for experiencing my genius. And if you're not sure you get it, then you just don't understand my genius at this time. And... That's how I kind of felt at this finale. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. I think everyone should see this, though. So that's a rough rating. I'm going to go with 9 out of 10 chicken pieces in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that part. Oh, God. There's so many things that I'm thinking about now as you guys are talking about. I was like, oh, yeah, and that and that and that. I. This is it's one of the few shows I haven't gone back to see the rehearsal yet, but I've seen the first episode of this a couple of times. Guys, I was like, you have to watch this. And I just showed it to people, and hopefully they uh, get through it. But um, you know, th- this type of uh, style, let's say, is so up my alley. I love this kind of stuff. Uh, one because I think, at least in the modern age uh, of of, uh, of filmmaking, from TV to uh, to film. I, I think it's like one of the last things that feels like it's very challenging uh, for people mm-hmm. to watch. And I love that stuff. I want to be challenged by the the conflict of these characters and the social faux pas that they put themselves in. And I, I really, I really dig this kind of stuff. That's why I love like Seinfeld and Kirby enthusiasm and all that kind of shit. And the office, 
I love more the British than the American, but the American's still great. And when uh, I think that uh, the Safties uh, and Nathan Fielder together, like like I said earlier, is this kind of match made in hell that is everything that I want, and it, and I got more out of it. And I don't know exactly what a lot of things do mean ultimately, at least at this point. But this is something I'm going to remember forever and think back about this and then want to watch this again and, and you know, try to grasp some pieces here and there um, and, and put my own. And I think it is like what you said earlier, Ryan, is that it's it, it can be up to inter- interpretation, especially the ending more than mm-hmm. anything else, because it 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 goes up there. And, uh, and so I, I love this. I thought that, um, you know, I guess counting this as more of a 2023 show, even though it ended just a, like a week or so ago in 2024, but, uh, this is the best thing for both years so far for me, at least for a TV show. So this is 10 out of 10 times that I, I didn't know I needed that Nathan Fielder rapping a whole song called hell yeah by dead Prez. You need to watch that clip. It's fucking fantastic. And it is hysterical and just like shoulders up and just like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, and yeah, do yourself a favor. Uh, get, get uh, feel terrible tonight. <laughs> You're making me want to watch the show again now. I totally forgot about that part. 